episode 832. With training camp about to begin, our position-by-position preview series concludes as we talk to former Packer Andy Phillips about the Green Bay offensive line. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about the Green Bay Packers offensive line. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by former Packers offensive lineman Andy Phillips. Andy, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Very good. We're glad you could join us on the show this morning. We have a lot to get to. And Andy, let's let's kick things off with uh, something that our readers may know about you already or remember from this past spring. Uh, an article, uh, a letter you kind of penned to rookies entering rookie minicamp and, and kind of shared some of your thoughts with them as uh, you were in their shoes uh, previously. Can, can you tell us what that what the message you gave them was and uh, kind of about how uh, that, that, that one story went viral on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, in the spring, I decided to pen a letter to all upcoming rookies and it was pretty much, I wanted to share my experiences with them because it's a situation unlike any other, especially when you're coming in as a tryout player, because a lot of people don't know. And I, I, a lot of people who even know me from, you know, back home or, uh, even in college, they probably didn't even know I was a trial player because um, I think a lot of people just kind of assume you're either drafted or you're signed after. There's really no in between, but uh, there's that third phase, and that's your, if you're just a trial guy. And I was one of 25 trial guys uh, that was basically fighting for a spot uh, that weekend. And it's uh, I wanted to give guys almost a heads up, uh, maybe a heads up I didn't totally have uh, because it's very hard to make it. I mean, I was only on 25 guys uh, that signed that weekend. And I wanted to give you guys a heads up of what to look out for. And a few of those things were just uh, something as simple as dressing appropriately on the plane. Um, if you're a trial guy, you're not going to have as long of a leash. You don't, when you go to trial camp, you don't even have a leash at that point. And uh, you, the only way you're going to get noticed is by doing something well. For example, they drafted uh, Christian Ringo in the sixth round that year. And uh, if, he, if he would have beat me on, on a play, they wouldn't have noticed the undrafted guy who got beat. They'd just say, oh, yeah, we did a good job drafting uh, Ringo, he's beating guys, and uh, the only way you're going to get noticed as a tryout guy is for the right thing. So something as simple as dressing appropriately when you're on the plane. Uh, something as simple as making sure you're shaking everyone's hand, looking everyone in the eye, being uh, very confident when you're there. Um, make sure you're a leader of the group, making sure that uh, you're just on top of everything from a character standpoint. And then once you hit the field, you better know what you're doing. Uh, when you get there your first night, you're uh, given a playbook you don't get back to the hotel till about 9 30 at night uh, after a long day of physicals and meetings and all the stuff they have to go through and then you wake up and bus is leaving at 6 a.m with or without you so when you get back and it's about 9 30 after a long day of traveling and meetings you have a choice uh you study the playbook they just gave you or do you get some rest for the biggest job interview of your life and to me there was only one option that was studying brett Hundley, 
who's a quarterback drafted that same year who I actually knew from training in Los Angeles with. Uh, we, we had the same mindset. And we studied that playbook probably until 1230 at night just to make sure because we knew as a center and quarterback we had to be on the same page for everything. And if we weren't on the same page, we weren't making the calls for everyone out there, it would look bad on us mainly. So we wanted to stand out in that in those regards. And he was a drafted guy, so uh, rookie camp wasn't a huge pressure deal for him. But for me, it was my only shot. And uh, it's something guys need to know. They need to understand the pressure that's on them in that situation, but they need to understand, too, it's possible. you just got to go about it the right way. And if you're lucky and fortunate enough like I was to – get signed afterwards next thing you know you got to make the most of your opportunities uh soak up all the information you can from the vets i mean they're the best for a reason uh keep your mouth shut in the locker room to me that's a big one i'm not saying you can't have conversations but uh, you don't want to be the new guy you don't want to be the one you know the loudest guy in the locker room talking all the nonsense all that kind of stuff know your place learn be a sponge and uh just understand what kind of position you're in it's very similar to being a freshman in college but as a try guy it's more like being a walk-on you, you want to make sure you're noticed for the right thing not the wrong thing. Make sure you're the hardest worker in the room while also being maybe the quietest guy. Doesn't mean you can't lead on the field. Doesn't mean you can't uh, bark out orders when you're, especially at a, as a center at the line of scrimmage. But what it does mean is in the locker room, you're not the one horsing around, causing any chaos. You're not the one late to meetings. You're none of that kind of stuff. So make sure you want to go uh, with your nose clean throughout the whole process. And you just want to be a hard worker. And like I said, you learn from the vets. And I was in a great position in Green Bay. I had Josh sitting and TJ Lang and Dave and Brian and Corey and obviously Aaron and Mike Daniels and B.J. Raji helped me when, you know, going against them. I was in a great position when I was there. It was just up to me to take advantage of it. And going from a tryout in May to uh, final cuts after four preseason games, I mean, I at least have something I can say is I gave my all and I have memories that will last me a lifetime. It was a great message and a lot of good anecdotes in that letter that you wrote. Uh, and, and, Andy, just for those who may not have seen it or missed it, uh, what what is the website it's published at? Yeah, it's uh, my website I created uh, back in January. It's uh, hsphil66.wordpress.com. And I do a lot of stuff with uh, mainly NFL and NBA. Um, I actually just posted my own uh, NFL Top 100 because, I felt offensive lineman got a little bit slighted in the NFL Network version, so I felt I could put something together for that. So, uh, yeah, afil66.wordpress.com. You can find all my stuff. Packers fans, go check it out. And we're going to talk about uh, some of the things you just alluded to here, Andy. Uh, Getting to the guys on the Packers offensive line, many of them your former teammates, and starting with David Bakhtiari. There was a small amount of disbelief, mainly among Packers fans, when he was left off the NFL Network's top 100 players of 2017 list. Uh, Andy, does he deserve to be on that list? Without a doubt. Something you'll notice from uh, the NFL Network's version of the list is it seems to be more of a popularity contest. NFL linemen between offense and defense, NFL offensive linemen, make up more than 22% of starters. And they only had nine offensive linemen on that top 100 list. It's not a popular position. Uh, a receiver might not, a DB might not know exactly what it entails and how important it is. So it might get taken for granted a little bit. So, but yeah, Dave absolutely belongs on that list. On my own, I think I had him 27, and I've, I've seen him climbing. I, he's a top three offensive tackle in this league. I believe he's the best pass blocking offensive tackle in this league. Um, he, the thing that sets Dave apart. I think from the rest of the NFL is a lot of guys when they're going against that, those defensive ends with the quick first step, like your Von Millers and your Khalil Max, your Olivia Vernon, a lot of guys at tackle will get into kick, kick, oh no, 
And basically what that means is you're out, you get your first two kicks in and the guy's, you know, even with you, and you just kind of turn and run, you know, hope to run him past the quarterback, hoping that the inside depth of the pocket holds up so your quarterback can step up. Dave is so explosive out of his set. He's one of the few guys in the league that no matter who he's going against, he's out of his stance, into his kicks, and then he settles. He's not even just even. He is so deep and stuck at such a perfect angle. He can settle, and that allows him to be at his absolute best in terms of blocking. And the other thing that sets Dave apart is how long he can maintain blocks. Aaron does a tremendous job at extending plays. Everybody knows that. And a lot of it has to do with the guys up front who are able to stay on their block. A lot of times when Aaron's extending plays, it's not because a guy's dead free. He just has to move around a little bit, but his guys are on block. And Dave's one of the absolute best in the league at that. And it was nice to see him have a fully healthy season and uh, be able to really just show how good he was earning his first Pro Bowl. And it's, it's just scary to think he's only 25 years old still. And uh, I think he'll be on that list soon. I think he already should be on it, and I think he's just going to have a tremendous career in Green Bay. Yeah, great insight as to, I mean, we know David Bakhtiari is good, and you kind of outlined why he's good, which is great for this show. Um, the other bookend, Andy, uh, it seems to me as long as Brian Balaga is healthy, He's one of the best right tackles in the NFL. Is it just as simple as that? If Balag is healthy, he, he's that good? It is, it is very simple. Brian Balag is the best right tackle in the league. And it's, it's one of those things now, too, where, you know, Brian hasn't made a Pro Bowl, and the only reason is because only left tackles are Pro Bowls predominantly. And it's because they're only voting for the position tackle. Uh, right tackles get slighted in that in those regards, and you could argue Brian's one of the more underrated players in the league. I mean, he, he his numbers in, in terms of pro football focus or even grades as a team is probably one of the best tackles in the league. And uh, I personally think he's a top 100 player as well. And we're in the we're in the era of pass rushers galore. I mean, you're not just teams just don't have the one guy anymore. You don't just have a Lawrence Taylor or a Michael Strahan. Who's the best pass rushers in the league right now? You got your Von Miller, who's on the opposite side of him for the last two years, Demarcus Ware. Cleo Mack won defensive player of the year last year. Well, who's on the other side? It was Bruce Irvin. Guys have somebody else. JJ Watt has Clowney. They're in an era where you can't just have one good pass blocking tackle. The right tackles are gonna have a madman across from them as well who's pretty good at rushing the passer. You gotta be just as good at that at that spot too, so you know, I joked about it in my top 100 saying uh, in Brian's section that right tackles are people too. I mean, they, they just get slighted because they're not on the left side. But it's just, it's just as important of a position, and Brian's one of the best at it. And he's different than Dave. Dave, when he's out there, you just see explosions, fast feet, where Brian's very smooth, very technical, and he just doesn't get beat. And uh, he's a strong guy, and it's nice to see him uh, overcome some of those early injuries in his career to really put together some really good season of football and uh it, it was also nice uh, a couple years ago that he uh, he took less money than buffalo i, I believe was going to give him to come back to green bay because i just think he knows that he's a, he's a green bay type of guy and obviously uh ted thompson knows that what he has in his right tackle and hopefully soon the rest of the world and nfl knows that and we get uh brian into a well-deserved pro bowl very interesting uh, now, Andy, you didn't play with Jari Evans, the Packers, one of their big free agent acquisitions this offseason, but you know the guy he's replacing, T.J. Lang. Can you tell us about the challenge of filling the void left by Lang? Oh, absolutely. T.J. was a mentor to me uh, when I was there. and He was from eastern Michigan. I was from central Michigan. 
So there's a little bit of history, I guess you could say, there. I mean, obviously, we didn't play against each other. But, uh, no, he the thing that TJ did well on the field was he was always good in the run game. He was very physical, tough, nasty, and he's, he's very explosive into hits. Where he's gotten better over the years, he's almost unbeatable in the pass game. And something I've noticed uh, that TJ does in the pass game, he'll get your hand, his hands on him fast. He doesn't let guys even get into their first move because he knows as well as anyone, pass rushers on the inside especially, they might have two moves in a, in a series before they just go to bull rush. So TJ takes away that first move right away. He does really quick, short, tight feet sets, two-hand powerful punches that set, gets the guy standing straight up, and then it's game on from there. So on the field, they're going to just miss one of the best guards in football. I mean, he finally made his first Pro Bowl last year. Probably should have been there the last three years. But uh, they're going to miss one of the best guards in football. Not that Jari can't come in and replace that. As we know, he was an all-pro for years. And sometimes a, a new a new spot, a new home, a fresh start is all a guy needs to get back to what he was. So I think Jari, on the field, he can come in and do some very good things. Where they're going to miss TJ the most is in the locker room and in the meetings and all that kind of stuff. Because you're talking about one of the longest-tenured guys there who, especially as an offensive lineman, you have the big brother mentality on the team. When I was in, when we were in team meetings, it was very apparent who the alpha leaders were in terms of who everyone looked up to. I mean, you're talking about the loudest, funniest guys, while also when you hit the practice field, the hardest working guys, and that was TJ, Josh Sitton, Aaron. And TJ's one of those, the only one of those three left. Not that the other guys aren't, but he was very, very. It was very, very apparent to me that he was very respected by everyone else. So I think they have guys, I mean, obviously with Dave's success and the amount of years he's been there, um, I think he's going to do a very good job stepping in that role. Obviously, Brian, he was a leader when I was there and still is. But uh, it's going to be that's going to be a guy you're going to have to replace a little bit because of his leadership and obviously his uh, very physical and uh, dominant play on the field. We're talking to Andy Phillips, former Packers offensive lineman here at Railbird Central. On a Wednesday morning, Andy, uh, Corey Lindsley, he missed his second consecutive offseason program after undergoing ankle surgery. Were you surprised how well he played last season considering how much time he missed? Not surprised, no. Um, I think anytime, anytime someone does miss time and comes back and plays well, it's always a good feeling because you don't know what to expect. But Corey's a very, very hard worker. Um, especially when it comes to the physical stuff. So um, he rehabs, I'm sure, the same way he works out, which is full speed, pedal to the metal. And, I mean, in the weight room, the guy's a machine. He's the strongest old lineman we had when I was there. And uh, I wasn't surprised at all how he played. I think Corey can be one of the best centers in the league. All he needs to be healthy. Uh, when I got there, he was coming off his rookie season and watching all the film on that season, you would have thought he was an eight-year vet. I mean, he stepped into that role in training camp when J.C., uh, got hurt as a rookie, and next thing you know, uh, they're in the, the NFC Championship game with him, and he, he wasn't a slouch by any means. So uh, Corey just needs to stay healthy. Uh, I think he's going to come on. I think he, at some point, I mean, anytime you're you're working with 12, you're going to be uh, – you have to be in tune to everything, and I think he's going to turn into one of those best centers in the league conversation. Um, one thing Corey does extremely well, which he hasn't got the credit for, uh, is those, uh, those snap counts. Aaron's known for the free plays, getting teams to jump off sides. And how many touchdowns did he have last year on those plays alone? Maybe four. <laughs> and uh, Corey does a great job with that as a center. 
it's his job to catch those guys offside. Aaron does an unbelievable job to Caden. But if Corey can't get that snap off when they're offside, it, it doesn't do any good. So he does a great job using his peripheral vision and understanding what's going on with the snap count to be able to get those guys. And that's just one of the one of the things that makes Corey seem like he's you know been in the league for much longer than he really has. And I look for him to have a good year this year. I don't see the missing off season uh, hurting him too much. I think he's going to get back in the flow of things, and I think uh, Green Bay is going to be in good hands with him at center. Getting through our conversation of the Packers starting five or projected starting five at least here with Andy Phillips. Uh, Lane Taylor, how much improvement can we expect from Taylor entering his second full season now as a starter? Your biggest improvement I mean, in college was always between your freshman and your sophomore year if you played. And I think it goes the same in the NFL, and I think Lane's one of those same guys. When I was there, Lane was in that six-man type rotation. Uh, coaches always had a lot of faith and trust in him. Uh, if it was a day that, you know, Josh Sitton or TJ wasn't practicing, I mean, it was Lane in there at guard for the most part. And I think the thing that Lane does very well is he can stress on blocks in terms of he's getting pressured. If a guy's trying to – if a 360-pound defense is trying to walk him back, he can just stress it and brace. And that's something that you have to be able to do in the inside, especially with how big some of these tackles are in the league now. Lane's very good at that in terms of just having a natural strength to him, but he drops his anchor so well on those. He just You can see how low Lane's hips get when, it, when he's getting those blocks. And that's kind of the physical aspect that Lane has had. And he was very smart with the playbook, and you get even better when you're on the field because the more situations you see, nothing will come as a surprise to you from here on out. That's where the experience comes in. Nothing will phase you because you've seen it all. So I think Lane's going to make that jump from – uh, just a first-year starter to being a very, very good guard in the league, and uh, I look for I look for him to just continue what he did last year. I mean, he played well in the 16 games, seemed to get better every week, and I'm sure he's gonna do the same this year and even make a bigger jump. And uh, he's a good guy, really good guy, hard worker. So I, I root for him, and I expect him to do well. All right, Andy. We we heard Jason Spriggs added 20 pounds in the off season. Is he the type of player that's ready to become a starter? if and when his number is called? You know, you would think so. I mean, he was drafted pretty high, especially for a, a lineman under Ted Thompson. And uh, he's a big, naturally gifted player. Uh, I'm sure he's one of those guys, when you walk in the room, you know you know he's a dude. And uh, I think he can go ahead and turn into a, a guy if they need him. And the thing is, is I'm sure he, he's, uh, he's coached well under James Campen. Um, if he's put in the position to play, that means he's ready. Uh, I, I personally have all the faith in the world in those coaches, uh, between Coach Camp and Coach McCarthy, uh, Coach Rye, Dave Rye, the assistant line coach. Uh, those guys are going to get him ready. And uh, I don't, the thing is, is Green Bay still has that depth. They still have veterans like like a Donnie Barclay and a Josh Walker sit behind. That uh, if if uh, Spriggs isn't ready, uh, they'll they'll go ahead and play those guys. So if he's put in a position to play, I'm sure he's going to be ready and. Uh, in this league, the 20 pounds uh, is going to going to come in handy. So, uh, and he's another one of those guys who got some time last year. So, anything he does this year, he'll have a little bit more experience, and uh, I believe he would be ready. One last question before I let you go, Andy. Obviously, you haven't played with the Packers rookies, but just from your experience, what what challenges do guys like Kofi Amici uh, uh, face entering their first training camp now coming up? Yeah, the, the challenges they're going to face is. When you're the lowest guy in the totem pole, 
you have to make your reps count the most because you're going to get, I'm going to say, it will be close to equal reps, maybe not totally equal, but when you're in there, you absolutely have to make them count because you don't get the quantity you got in college. In college, I remember when we were in camp at least, uh, I don't know how many plays I'd run, but it was probably twice as many as I would get when I was in Green Bay. And it's just simply because you're a starter in college, you're not in the pros. So you got to make the most of your opportunities. That's in every drill. That's not just in the team period. That's in the one-on-one. Hop, it, hop up there as much as you can. Go against the Mike Daniels as much as you can. Go against all those guys. And I think you just have to ask questions. You got to be, you got to be willing to put yourself out there. And that's something that um, I became very, uh, I guess, uh, curious about what I could do better. Not just by asking TJ and Josh and Corey, but asking and Dave and Brian, but asking Mike Daniels and asking BJ Raji at the time, because I, 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 you're there to help each other. You can't be scared because I'll tell you one thing: if you sit back and you don't make it or something doesn't work out, you don't want to wish you could have done something different. So. I think if I had to give them any advice, be the first there at the practice field. Always go run, run to every drill. Hold the bag. Make them take you off a bag. Be, be a rookie, be a good rookie in terms of that. And then when you get your opportunity, make most of it. It's just football at the end of the day. Play. Just keep playing, and uh, everything should go well. Just don't be afraid to ask questions, and always work hard, and be able to look yourself in the mirror when it's all over with. Andy, great stories from your own experience and great look ahead to what the Packers offensive linemen are facing in 2017. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, greatly appreciate and we'd love to have you back on again sometime. Hey, I'd love to be back. I appreciate you reaching out and I look forward to some Packer wins this year. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Andy. Take care. You're welcome. Have a good one. Andy Phillips, former Packers offensive lineman, joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment. Uh, following the annual shareholders meeting on Monday, we have all sorts of little pieces of news of the Packers, none of which greatly affect the team, but are still interesting nonetheless. The, the first and the one that interests me particularly is news that Wisconsin and Notre Dame will play at Lambeau Field. I hear from a little birdie that this is all but a done deal. Uh, with the game to be played at Lambeau in 2020 and Soldier Field in Chicago in 2021. This, of course, isn't official yet, but it's been reported. Uh, So we're just kind of in a waiting mode right now until it becomes official. This, of course, piggybacks on the success of the Wisconsin LSU series, That was played in both Green Bay and Houston, each team kind of getting a pseudo-home game uh, that's regionally close to them. And the game specifically at Lambeau Field was a boon to the Packers organization and the local economy that hosted out-of-town fans for days leading up to the game. So the Packers will likely reap similar benefits this time around. And it's just a great meeting between two very good football programs from the Midwest that have not played each other for decades. Uh, Plus, there's the connection of Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez having coached at Notre Dame and the national title team uh, before coming to Madison. So there's lots of good storylines 
Um, barring the unforeseen, I'll be at that game guaranteed. Uh, I was at the LSU game at Lambeau Field, which felt like a bowl game, and I expect nothing less from a Badgers and Fighting Irish matchup at a historical venue like Lambeau Field that should be really a lot, a lot of fun. Um, But more specifically now, uh, about the Packers and the players on this roster, which I think is why you listen to this podcast, I'd like to draw your attention to an article written by Rob Domovsky of ESPN.com, published on Wednesday morning about Packers running back Ty Montgomery. Uh, perhaps if you follow Montgomery on social media, this probably doesn't come as news to you. Montgomery has been working out with several other high-profile NFL running backs in this offseason, including just the past few days and weeks, including Chargers running back Melvin Gordon, uh, former Badger, uh, among others. Uh, Montgomery has been posting pictures and videos uh, on Twitter and Instagram, etc., that you may have seen. Who he's working out with, though, is the story, however. They're working out with Rashad Whitfield, a.k.a. the Footwork King, and that's actually like his his handle on Twitter, the Footwork King. Uh, They worked out at a facility called Blitz Football in Houston, Texas, which is near where Montgomery grew up in his native Texas. Uh, We could see all this simply by following Montgomery on social media, but Domovsky took the extra step and got insight from Whitfield for the article uh, and talks about what they've been working on specifically, etc. So I direct you to ESPN.com to read more uh, about that article in Montgomery. And I think this was just nice to see about a guy going that extra mile and really taking seriously the craft of playing running back and and learning the little things that maybe he missed in his development while while he was focusing on receiver previously. Um, You know, Ty Montgomery has the chance to become a very effective halfback on a team that has a bunch of rookies backing him up, so he's going to be counted upon really heavily uh, despite his relative lack of experience You know, we've had a couple guests on the show recently, namely David Spinks and Elisha Twersky, who think very highly of Montgomery and expect big things from him. And so I just wanted to direct your attention to that article. Go read it. Go check it out. I think it's one of the best published on the Packers in the last few days or weeks um, and want to make note of that here on the show uh, as they get both insight from Whitfield and Montgomery himself. Uh, about what he's been doing prior to just the start of the training camp as it uh, is about to get underway. Uh, Another piece coming out of the shareholders meeting back on Monday uh, was from Packers president Mark Murphy as he addresses fans and all those things. And uh, that was that the NFL and its broadcast partners are mercifully going to end the practice of Touchdown, commercial, kickoff commercial on television coverage of games, which is fantastic. Uh, The NFL in recent years, and specifically the past year, I think, has, has come to the realization that after a season of down television ratings, you know, a, a small tick down, not like 
they were huge, you know, people started to stay away in droves or anything like that. But, you know, they, they I think they realized they have to make a few changes, one of them being the length of games, which which means cutting back on commercial breaks. And, and this one particular was was the worst among them having having the kickoff only to endure another commercial uh by that time people are ready to watch play again uh you know you you understand that commercials are uh, a necessary evil uh in something that if you want to watch television you it's part of the package um but you know now that the the unfortunate part of this you know, again, from a relative standpoint is, is that will likely include some trade-off. You know, the, the NFL isn't simply going to accept less money from advertisers. What they're going to do is they're going to try to figure out different ways to incorporate it into the broadcast, such as more branding on the screen while play is in action or advertising on uniforms Something that hasn't happened much in the four biggest U.S. sports, but is much more commonplace in in sports like soccer and NASCAR. Or if you watched the British Open uh, this past weekend, you you saw split-screen advertising where play was taking place while ads ran beside it. And you know what? That that seems to work better with a sport like golf than I think it would for football. But you know, maybe if they do it in the right way, and it's not actually going over, you know, it plays when you know the you know things that when when the ball is snapped, you don't want to see an ad on the other screen unless maybe it's a absolute blowout or something like that. Uh, but anyway, um, it, you know. Maybe not all these things will come to fruition, but they're all options. And that was something that Packers President Martin Murphy brought to light at the shareholders meeting uh, before I've seen it reported on anywhere else. It very well may have been reported elsewhere. I just hadn't seen it up till now. So I thought that was interesting and worthy of some commentary. And then kind of one final note that's just the Packers made several changes within their personnel department and front office and just gonna run quickly through some of these guys who don't get a lot of attention or name recognition but they are key pieces of the organization uh things that take place behind the scenes especially you know when they're making decisions upon players to select in the nfl draft and scouting for future opponents and things like this. Uh, So anyway, uh, you know, John Wojciechowski was promoted to director of pro personnel. Uh, All sorts of moves the Packers announced uh, on Tuesday. Uh, Richmond Williams was promoted to pro scout. Luke Benuska was promoted to pro scout. Joe Huber was promoted to college scout. And probably the most recognizable name simply from being a former Packers player and a Super Bowl winner, uh, Charlie Pepra has been promoted to college scout after last year being a scouting assistant. Uh, I know it was previously reported, and we talked about it here on the show a few months ago, that Matt Malaspina was previously hired as a college scout when he was pr- he was you know, prior with the San Francisco 49ers. So anyway, just wanted to run through some of those names, uh, some of the news 
uh, going on in the world of the Green Bay Packers, some of the biggest storylines. There's there's other little stories we've missed probably that came out of the shareholders meeting, but I thought these were some of the biggest ones. One of the some of the ones that interested me the most and thought I could provide some bit of commentary on, but we move on. The day ahead. Tuesday was the move-in day for Packers players as they checked into the dorms at St. Norbert College in nearby De Pere, uh, as they traditionally do for training camp every season, a long-standing tradition. And Wednesday marks the day players report to training camp. There's no practice on Wednesday, but they'll get all of the housekeeping duties out of the way, such as take their physicals and take part in team meetings. The first day of practice will be on Thursday, bright and early at 8.15 a.m. local time at Ray Nitschke Field. Uh, but to mark the day players report, Packers head coach Mike McCarthy will also hold his first training camp press conference on Wednesday. That'll take place live at 10.30 a.m. Central Time, and I'm sure one of the big things people will want to know is an update on the health of players uh, who may open up training camp on the PUP list, uh, although McCarthy may not have complete information on that prior to his press conference. Uh, so he may decline to discuss it at that point. Uh, but we know there's several candidates. Perhaps tops among them is center Corey Lindsley, someone we talked about more in depth with Andy Phillips, uh, Phillips earlier in the show. Uh, but not only Lindsay, but r- rookie linebacker Vince Beagle uh, and a handful of other players, all candidates for the pup list. We'll find out. We're going to wait and see. Uh, We may or may not have an update until the players take the field for the first practice on Thursday. But rejoice, football fans. The season has started with players reporting to camp. Other teams have already started training camp. The Packers have reported and are only a day away from hitting the practice field. And that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you to Andy Phillips, uh, former Packers offensive lineman, for being our guest today. Uh, we're going to take another break uh, from from Railbird Central, which I'm sure you as a listener are kind of thinking, oh, that, that's the worst time here to take a break. It, it's a small one. Uh, but I, I myself am going to be on a small summer vacation, a long weekend, so that means no episode either Friday nor Monday. Um, and and so, yeah, we'll be back again a week from today. Uh, but I encourage you, today's episode concluded our position-by-position position preview series as we went through every position on the Packers roster, offense and defense-wise. So if you happen to miss a show, there's plenty over the past few weeks and months uh, that that you can go back and listen to or find at Cheesehead TV or any other app that you listen to podcasts to, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. Uh, go check those out if you miss some along the way. Uh, and so that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. Uh, Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's a live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you later. 
I leave you folks today with a song called Can't Wait Another Day by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. See ya. Go. Pack. Go.